0: Get fired up. Oh, yeah. Performance Performance enhancing enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. You hear that new theme song, but same old BC in your ear hole. Performance enhancing audio is back pro wrestling style. It is the State of Combat Podcast and folks. Never say never on a few different things. So that means you proved me right. Yes, Roman. Yes, indeed. Uh, we got another Pro Wrestling edition today because never say never, we got an interview, you just have to hear. Thirty years in the making. It is mean mark, it is the Undertaker
1: and the ultimate real ride. Say it, Mark. Will be your last ride. Thank
0: you, thank you. Uh, he's gonna be here. You gotta hear this. Fantastic! Shout out to the Silver King. Remember that guy for getting this pod interview secured with the great folks at WWE. Of course, it's about this fantastic docu series on the WWE Network: Undertaker, The Last Ride. And we got thirty plus minutes today with Take uh, talking. To You know, talking all things up and down the road. You know, Uh, he's given some incredible interviews promoting this documentary. And uh, this is another one because he's real. He's bringing it. He's showing you the real the real man underneath that. And uh, you couldn't ask for anything more. You ask him about it. He's going to answer it from the streak ending to life with Vince behind the curtain all that and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It is your boy, BC. And uh, who would have thought I'd be back in this chair doing a little wrestle vision with you? Uh, we're going to have the interview. I'll give you a nice little breakdown of it. Maybe even share my thoughts on the pro wrestling world in general on the back end of that Um been a long time since we've eaten the pie around here. Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. Don't we all? Alrighty then. Um how you been, folks? You know? How you been? You still you still watching? You still watching that product? Um enjoy it, okay? Um, I've been great. I've been great. Uh MMA's back. Boxing coming back. Hopefully you are all doing well in this crazy, unprecedented quarantine season. Um it's a struggle, man. Physical, mental. Obviously, the, uh, RIP George Floyd, Floyd, everything that, that is going on as a result of that tragedy has, uh, really shaken things up. So hopefully you can use this podcast today as an opportunity to press pause, you know, get, get away from the scene for a little bit and, and just, you know, chill out and enjoy. I can't, I can't promise everything from this podcast, but it it probably will entertain you, at least.
1: This will protect you. This will love you. This will guide you. And this will make you the god of wrestling. Well,
0: well, something like that, okay? Um, I'm happy to be here, though. Happy to be here, as always. Uh, Look, if you like this show, if you like what we're giving you each week from the standpoint of mixed martial arts, boxing, and, you know, the occasional... Pro wrestling interview. We had some good ones of late with Jim Ross, Chris Jericho and more. Uh, spread it, spread it forward, spread it wide, spread it deep. Five star review season always, always upon us. If you see something, say something. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, head on over to Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you find fine audio, Google pods, J date, where look, if you can find it, grind her. God, I just met her. Uh, if you can find it, you know, give, give some love for the pod. What I'm talking about, all right?
1: Look at all of this crap in this ring.
0: Man, I haven't hit that button in a long time. RIP, Mean Gene. Shout out to Gino. Put
1: that cigarette
0: out. Yes, indeed. Um, So I got a lot to say on Taker. You know my history with, with, with uh, the character of The Undertaker. It's been up and down, it's been bumpy, it's been wild, which is, you know, in a lot of ways what makes this whole experience that the man Mark Calloway is doing so interesting and fun and exciting is that we never knew that man in the, in the era of dirt sheets and docu series and social media, reality TV, all that we, this is the last, you know, him and Vince are the last of the Mohicans, so to speak, uh, you know, dark side of the ring, the great series on vice. They're not doing an inside the undertaker special with until now. We did not know this man. So we formed opinions. And as it turns out from watching this documentary, this guy's real. He he hates the Roman match at 33 as much as we did and and he's here, you know, on the doc, on the dock, on the interviews to talk about that and I respect that a lot. A hell of a lot. Um I will not be putting out the Patrick Ewing in a Sonics or Magic jersey meme anymore. Um I cannot tell you the 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 180 I've pulled from watching this and from talking to him today. Uh, more on that to come in the aftermath here, but uh, uh, not going to waste too much long to, you know too much more time before getting right into this thing. Um, but you know, shout out to everybody. Mazzle, that's fantastic news. Exactly. Uh, shout out to you, the listener. Uh, shout out to uh, Cody. Uh, I mean, Cody's doing big things, okay? Cody's doing things I like. I don't watch all wrestling these days, but Cody is uh, is all I thought he could be and then some. So shout out to Cody. Are you guys ready for a revolution? Always, always, always. But, uh, you know, without any further ado, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a pause for the cause. And on the other side, it's wrestling legend. WWE superstar then, now, and forever. The Undertaker, Mark Calloway, bringing it, coming raw, uh, uh, keeping us happy.
1: I love a happy ending.
0: Uh, I couldn't be more, more pleased to present this to you. Enjoy. Mark Calloway, The Undertaker. It's an honor and a pleasure, sir. Never say never. But well, we never have Never say never. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great, sir. The star, of course, of the great docu series, Undertaker: The Last Ride, airing now on the WWE Network. Part four going to make its debut June 14th, same night, by the way, as WWE Backlash. Uh, take Taker. Uh, it's weird calling you that. It's weird talking to you, and that's a testament to your protection <laughs> of of you know arguably the greatest character. And we know why you're doing this now, and we love that, journalists, fans. We can't believe it. What's it like for you, thirty years later, to so candidly answer all of our questions and just come, you know, naked after so long?
1: Uh, it, it has been it, it's been unusual, believe me. Um, and it's taken me it, it's taken me a while to completely let my guard down. Um, I just had to fight the natural instinct to protect and, 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 and not talk about things. But uh, once we decided that we were going to do this, uh, you know, this this whole docuseries, it was uh, <laughs> funny enough is I'd have cameras, the cameras following me and, and sometimes forget that I'd ask them to follow me and record all this and <laughs> like yell at the guys like, hey, why are you <laughs> – <laughs> Why are you filming me? You know you're not supposed to be filming me. And then they're like, "Uh, you ask us to." I'm like, "Oh, that's right. I forgot about that." Uh, so yeah, it's taken me um it's taken me a while to to kind of get used to this, but uh uh I, I'm I'm really happy that I decided to do this and um and give a little bit of uh a perspective into uh what it's like to be The Undertaker, I guess.
0: Uh, Look, it has it disappointed. To wait this long to finally get you uh you've brought it you know i say it, it coincidentally this launched of course around the same time as the michael jordan doc and that documentary doesn't hit with the same impact unless jordan's willing to be that salty and be real your documentary doesn't work unless you're willing to be this candid and and really vulnerable mark and i think that's that's the the hook of this you're you know whether it's you criticizing your own performance in the wrestlemania 33 main event or anything else you've been as real as we could have hoped for uh was there what was that was that a hard process to do was it hard to be the tough guy that that is so revered and then come out and say look uh that was a crap match you know how was that process for
1: you well i've always been um uh you know i've always been tough on on myself more so than anybody else uh so that aspect of it uh um you know not so bad, I, you know. I, I never was one to watch my matches back in front of anybody else. I always had to be alone and, and and dissect things. I didn't want somebody there, you know, going, "Oh man, that was awesome. This that was great." I wanted, you know, I wanted to pick apart my matches in a sense that, okay, what could have I what could I have done that made this better? And that was just kind of the way I've always approached, you know, watching uh, game film for no better, you know better term, but, um, you know, it, to, to, but to, to let everybody else in on that, um, you know, it, like it was, it, it was unusual and, and, um, and I don't know, it was, uh, like I said, I had to, I had to fight my natural instincts to, to open up and, um, but you're right. It, it, this thing doesn't work if, if I'm trying to work. You know what I mean? Right. If I'm trying if I'm trying to be half character and half human, whatever else, it was just not going to work and people would have saw through it. So I had to I had to drop the I had to drop the veil and, and let everyone in and, and see what it what it's all about
0: great stuff uh you know the documentary does a lot of focus i think rightfully so on on your legacy and how much that's tied into consistency and longevity and a lot of that is obviously the physical grind the in-ring cost and the documentary you know sums that up your surgeries all above and beyond that but i've got more of a question personally you've thrived and survived during eras of this business that have chewed up and spit out its competitors you've watched you know a lot of your brethren pass away unfortunately how personally have you been able to survive this long and and you know and still be on tops and still be you know a solid human being and a family man how did you get here and survive all this
1: well i mean it's not easy and um it, it takes a It takes a huge commitment to, um, to, to wanting to be on top and stay on top. And you, you start by not believing all your own hype. Um, you, know, the one thing that I never was, was content. Uh, and I'm a firm believer in that once you become content with where you are, you, you, you stop to grow, you stop growing and, and you stop getting better. So, and that's, that's one thing that I like, I like I tell young guys that I, that I talk to or mentor with is like, you can never become content. Um, and being that like you have to, you have to keep your finger on the pulse of not only your audience, Um, but how you're feeling and then how your audience is feeling and you have to be willing to make changes. And sometimes you have to come out of your comfort zone of what you're doing for the sake of letting that character grow and, and, and keep up with the times. And prime example of that was, um, you know, the, the attitude era. When I switched You know, when I switched the character up and went to the American badass, you know, yes, I kept elements of the old character. But there's no way that I don't think I mean, I would have survived the attitude Era if I would have been handcuffed in that old mainstream Undertaker character. True. I mean, you know, everybody else, the shackles had come off, man. Everybody's cutting these crazy promos and, you know everything was everything was going on and throwing the kitchen sink and everything else out there um it would have been very difficult uh for me to to compete in that in that uh environment so that was why i had to you know i had to change up i one i was feeling a little bit stale uh because to be to do that character right you have to stay within the confines of of that character and and that's hard to do sometimes, especially when you have a lot that you feel that you haven't tapped into. So switching that character allowed me to uh, show a whole nother side to my uh, my wrestling ability and or you know my personality and all of that. And then because I did keep some of the elements, I was able to go back to it and make it all fresh and new again. Um, but it's it's not easy, and it to to try to keep keep that going for thirty years is it's been um, you know you just can never take your foot off the throttle. Well,
0: your protection of of the character, it, you know, can't be overstated. The the uh, how rare that is, the impact that it's had on your on your success and longevity. I mean, you up until this series, you're protecting kayfabe like no one else in an era where that's you know a, a bygone you know product. I mean, it's dirt sheets, it's it's documentaries, it's you know everyone wants more in the social media era, and we got less of right. you, so. Um, there's also a price though, to pay, you know, I talked to Jim Ross recently and said, can we ever get back to full on kayfabe? And he says, you know, the, the toothpaste is out of the container, so to speak. Are there any elements of the business today that, that, that you're just not okay with, you know, how far has, has the removal of kayfabe gone to the, to the negative level?
1: Yeah, I, I, I really think, um, I really think that it's, that it's, it's hurt, um, yeah, it's one, like I said, for me, trying to protect the character, um, you know, it was obviously much easier before cell phones and, and, and the internet exploded, but it, you know, it just, it's just tough for me, like, and you were talking about me being one of the last ones to kayfabe. I would actually cringe when I would hear interviews and, and like, like I'm doing now, but, but it, I would just cringe, like, to hear people openly discuss angles and, and, and it's just like, to me, it just drops the whole mystique of, of the business. And I, I like that part of the business. I, I really did. I like being able to get to uh, a Monday night and be able to actually do something that surprises the audience instead of everybody already knowing, um, you know, knowing everything, um, Yeah, I I really think social media, for all it's good, but it's, you know, it drives me nuts to to see someone trying to be this character on TV and then go to social media, and you know they're just being themselves. And but there's such a contrast. I mean, could you imagine back in the day you see the Undertaker at at a match and and the presentation that I give. And then the next thing you do, you see me, um, uh, you know, at my house, like water in the yard. I mean, it's just like, uh, what a, what a disconnect. And I, I think, I think, you know, although everyone understands what the business is now, and, but still, it's just like, there's gotta be some part, there's gotta be an, a, a mystique to it, or you just kind of, you you just, you're just losing part of the essence of what it is that wrestling is. And, um, I, uh, I wish we could, I wish we could put some of that toothpaste back in the tube. I think it would be better, you know, you know, for the business. I think it would be better. I think there's just, I always, okay, I'll use this analogy and sorry to be so long winded on it, but it's like the best, like the best horror films were, was the stuff like um like the movie Psycho, I don't know if you ever saw it it's old you know it's a real old school horror movie, and you don't see any of the gore right you're scared out of your pants because of the of the dramatic the dramatic build in the theater of the mind more uh, opposed to what some of the slasher horror movies are to now where it's just all out there and it's just like You know, it's just not as scary because you don't get to use the theater of the mind like because your mind is is always going to have a more, you know, a a more scary thought than what it is that you're going to see. And I just I don't uh, I just kind of got long winded, but it's just there's just too much. There's just too much backstage inside info out there I think in my opinion uh then needs to be I think there needs to be there needs to be that element of surprise and not knowing everything that's going to happen before it happens
0: I appreciate that yeah definitely um look Hearing some of your interviews uh, after this doc came out was really interesting, and everybody's got either the someone's advice in their brain or someone's insult in their brain that that's a voice we hear, and you told a great story of, of breaking in with WCW early in your career and having the Booker Ole Anderson tell you, you know, no one's ever going to pay to see you wrestle and having that be a a constant motivational voice. Have you ever been able to give Ole the receipt for that? Have you ever seen him and said, how do you like me now? I'm the damn Undertaker.
1: No, I I have never, I haven't seen Ole since that meeting. And uh, like, I don't, I don't, look, It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me, really. Um, Because I was, you know, I was naive enough to think that, okay, this is this is where I wanted to be. I was more uh I was more of a mainstream I thought I was a more mainstream wrestler, which you know, WCW was more mainstream and Vince's deal was really over the top with all the characters and uh, you know like I said, motivation was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, so I don't have any ill will, um and no need to, you know, the 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 proof is in in the results. That's all you know. They're the one that's got to look themselves and go. Well, I guess we missed the boat on that one, but uh, um, you know it was great for me. It motivated me. Um, it motivated me to to work my ass off through the years and and like I said, never be content. And and um, it it is what it is. I that, that's not my. You know, that's not. I'm not the kind of person that's going to come back and say I've told you, you dumbass. But <laughs> you know, like I said, it's. It turned out to be the best thing that ever could happen to me. Well, you've like we mentioned. I'm just glad that Vince didn't have this. I'm glad <laughs> Vince didn't have the same opinion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you mentioned Vince, and, and your relationship with him is, is I think, the star of this documentary, because if there's anyone, you know, we said The Undertaker was so well-protected. Protect, well, so is Vince to a large deal in terms of who the man really is. Seeing you two joke together, seeing you having credence to, you know, be real with him that maybe other people don't, it was touching. And I think the big moment, the big reveal in, in some of the early episodes is you know when Vince is asked about the impact of you staying with the company through the Attitude Era and you being the rock not not the Dwayne Johnson but the rock that Vince could always depend on you saw the reaction he couldn't even talk he went to tears we don't expect that out of the old man uh how touched were you watching back that moment
1: um yeah uh, uh, I wasn't I wasn't surprised um with that, obviously, Vince and I have had many moments uh, together like that, and um, you know we've shared parts of our lives uh, together and uh, having just a, a, a really, a really uncommon bond in this business, uh, especially when you consider like, you know he's the boss and I'm the employee kind of a deal, which at this point we really don't look at it like that for the most part. I mean, we're friends and, um, uh, you know, I've taken, you know, I've taken a little bit of highbrow look and and crap for saying that I take a bullet for the man. Um, but you know, that, that, that is my, that's my reality. And, and that's how much I think of him. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's good. I mean, I think it really, like I said, it's just another layer that gets peeled back in this doc, and 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 you see, uh, I don't think people, uh, or you know, anybody really sees that in Vince, and they don't have any clue to uh, what a because of what they see on TV, they have no idea what a kind and and generous human being that Vince is. You know, he's always the tyrant or you know he's always that, but um, you do get a little glimpse into into what the man really is.
0: Well, we know he's a great river take, so you gotta have oh a, my you gotta have a great story for us here. This guy will throw throw his kids in the pool. He loves a practical joke. What do you got for me?
1: Oh my god! He and I'm his favorite target. Just FYI, <laughs> I mean he just <laughs> I, I'll tell you this is. This is really good, and I'll try and make it as quick as I can. So I don't remember which which mania that it was, but I had this really nice jacket made, um, and it was it fit kind of it it fit kind of tight, and it was you know sometimes it becomes tricky with my my MMA gloves to get coats off and everything. Well, I wore it at WrestleMania; the, the coat comes off perfectly um without a hitch so it was a couple of months later i think it was the i think we were in st louis and it was the i don't know if it was the 700th uh, episode of raw but they made a big deal and uh, they invited or they invited they asked me to come do a segment with kane and we were going to wrestle two guys and uh you know kind of a squash match kind of a deal well, anyway, everybody's in the ring. Kane makes his entrance. I make my entrance. I come in. I take. I go to take my coat off. Well, the coat folds over, so it's <laughs> I can't get damn coat. And this is Monday Night Raw, right? So we're live, live, and I can't get this coat off of my gloves. And you know, I I realize it, and I look over the, in the corner at Kane, and he's like, all I can read is his lips, which were like. Oh shit. (laughs) So, all right. So needless to say, so they're shooting around and finally I get, uh, I I get one of the, the ring crew guys to grab the bottom and finally they, they get this coat off of me, right. Without it being too big of a, uh, of a scene and, and, and obviously a, a big joke. So now we jump forward a couple of more months down the line and, uh, So we were, they were in San Antonio. I live in Austin, Texas. So they were in San Antonio and it was going to be Shawn Michaels appreciation night. And Vince calls me and says, Hey, uh, do you want to, do you want to come be part of Shawn Michaels appreciation night? And I said, of course I do. Obviously he goes, okay, well, I want it to be a surprise for him. So when you get to the arena, um, we're going to have a bus there that you can stay on all day until we don't want to know you're here and we all this yada, 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 right? I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's great. I'll just hang out on the bus. So I don't know. So now I get there. I hang out on the bus for about two, three hours, right? And then finally somebody comes and gets me. I think it was Michael Hayes. And, and he goes, Vince wants to rehearse this. I'm like what do you mean he wants to rehearse this? This is supposed to be a surprise. It's going to be a sh- I mean, we're going to we're going to give it all away right now. I said no, I'm going to stay on the bus. So he leaves, he comes back. No, Vince really wants to rehearse this. I'm like, and now I'm pissed, right? Cuz now I've been on this bus for 3 hours and now he wants to rehearse it. So <laughs> so anyway, so now I'm pissed off and now I'm, I'm I'm going into the arena, right? So I walk through the gorilla position where we come out on the show. Uh, onto the stage, and as soon as I walk out on the stage, I knew I'd had it, right? The whole, all the talent, everybody is setting up in the bleachers of one big section. Vince is at ringside, and like I stopped, and I was like, I didn't know what was about to happen, but I knew I'd been had. <laughs> so the, the the arena goes dark. Uh, they start playing this package up on the Tron, Right and it's like i don't remember what my record was that, at wrestlemania at that point but we'll say he's 19 and 0 at wrestlemania he's beaten this man he's beaten this guy this guy but anyway it was basically a, a a trailer built up with all this footage and everything but this year the undertaker meets his greatest match and then all of a sudden they flash up on their a of the coat Right, and now they have all the footage from me trying to get out of the coat <laughs> at, at that RAW, at that seven hundred episode of RAW. <laughs> right, and it's Undertaker versus the Coat WrestleMania such, and I was like, "Oh, you son of a gun!" And he did like there had to have been hours and hours—that's
0: a ma- long rim. man
1: hours—to yeah. put this thing together. That's right. A I long mean, it, it looked like one of our. Normal packages for one of the build-ups, right? <laughs> and he is just laughing like a little kid at the, at the, down there at ringside. And I was like, you no good son of a bitch. So I went charging after him. So here's this, this multi billionaire running through the arena with this six foot nine, 300 by guy chasing him. The whole crew laughing their ass off. And he did that, all of that, just so he could rib me. I mean, just, and believe me, that's just one example of the things that yes. that he's done to me. Well, but, well uh, Mark, yeah.
0: I, I'm not trying to dirt sheet you here, but I have it on authority from two people on the inside that Vince likes his steak well done with mustard. Please tell me that's not true. That's not manly, Mark. the, the, tell, the damn Undertaker doesn't need a well done steak. Come on.
1: I, yeah, honestly, I don't know. I don't know how the mustard part is true. I don't know how the, the the temperature of the meat. I have no idea, but <laughs> I do. I've seen that man put mustard on shit that I just I was like, "What's wrong with you?"
0: Uh, all right, that well, must
1: be some kind of billionaire thing because I don't know what kind of sh- nobody puts mustard on steak, man.
0: Well, when you've been that successful, you can eat you can eat it however you want. But uh, look, you mentioned the hey. stre- <laughs> <laughs> you talked about the streak there briefly when you're telling that story, and obviously that's something that that is uh, iconic with your career. I've heard you say in a couple of interviews that, you know, the decision to, to lose to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30 was something that went back and forth. You arrived at the Superdome thinking you're going over, and then, of course, it got changed. I'm more curious when it comes to something like that. I mean, look, it's, it's you know, we can argue to our, to our deathbed whether you ever should have lost, but how short is that list of opponents that you would have been okay with in that Brock Lesnar spot? to be, you know, to go 21-1 and one against you?
1: Well, here's the thing. Uh, ultimately, look, ultimately the streak, um, I mean, obviously that's one of the greatest accomplishments of my career, and, you know, I'll be synonymous with my legacy. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, I'm I'm going to do what Vince wants me to do. Uh, you know, he created the Undertaker. He gave me the opportunity. Um, could I have made a power play? Yeah. But I mean, seriously, what good was that going to do? Um, I, I mean, it, it was just what kind of precedent does that send? Um, you know, I, I just, it just wouldn't have been right obviously brock you know vince's mindset like if if it's not brock then who and my biggest concern was i just wanted to make sure that he was he was sure being vince that that's what he wanted to do um you know i i didn't feel like brock needed it um you know brock was already a huge star and you know wasn't going to help him one way or another um, my only concern was there might've been someone down the line that could have benefited from it more. Um, and that probably be in Roman later on, I mean, that's hindsight being 2020. Um, but if I was going to get beat by somebody, well, you know, Brock was, you know, <laughs> Brock was a guy that had the credentials, I think, to do it. And, 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 um, and people were like, oh, okay, well, shit, that's Brock Lesnar. And, um but, uh, that was my biggest deal. I just, I just, you know, uh, wanted to make sure that he was, you know, that's really what he wanted to do and it thought it through, you know, cause like I said, we had gone back and forth and, you know, depending on the day, it was, you know, it was, <laughs> It changed, it changed very, you know, but it'd been that way for about a week and I showed up and, you know, showed up thinking I was going over and found out about one o'clock that I wasn't. And, uh, you know, it is what it is.
0: Aside from the unfortunate concussion and the way that that match played out for you, is there anything about that whole transaction that you regret?
1: Um, um, no, no, not really. I mean, I, I, I did my job, and uh, you know, I just uh, I would have. You know, obviously, you don't, you can't call when you're going to get a concussion or anything. You know, obviously, I wish I'd I'd have had my my wits about me, so that the match would have been, uh, you know, the match would have been obviously a little better, and I could I could have put a little bit more. Uh, you know, emotion into it and, and made it, you know, I would have could have made it a little more special, but uh, there's nothing I could do about obviously getting a, a concussion. Um, but, you know, it, that's business. So that's the way I look at things.
0: Uh, can you confirm or deny? Because look, you're the locker room leader. You protected the character. We all believe you're a 6'10 badass. I mean, I don't doubt that at all. But whenever wrestlers are asked on who's the real shooter, everybody says "Haku can you confirm that this gentleman was the real above anyone else if if ish went down
1: if if the, if it went down uh yeah, I would definitely want to be in haku's corner um <laughs> Haku's all man brother I'm telling you he could definitely be alone if he wanted to be um <laughs> He was, uh, yeah, he's legit one of the baddest people I've ever, a gentleman. I mean, just a t- tremendous man, kind, humble, but, uh, you screw with him and, uh, it's not going to turn out good. Absolutely. I don't think, uh, yeah, by far, uh, he's a bad, bad man. All right, got
0: to close with this, Mark, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I wish I had more time. I would have told you, by the way, that your CM Punk streak match, incredibly underrated, by the way. It's up there with Shawn Michaels and Triple H, so congrats on that great piece of business. I enjoyed me- that. Yeah,
1: I enjoyed that match. Um, um, I, 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 I enjoyed working with Punk. Um, I, I wish things had worked out differently for him. I really do. Absolutely, let's
0: close with this. The doc, and I haven't seen it all. obviously, we're wait- you know episode four coming out June fourteenth we can't wait uh it's all about you trying to find the perfect ending. when's the right time to step away all that uh what's the perfect coda for the undertaker? Has it happened yet? Is it something you're planning? How does this great career and this great story end
1: um, you know I- I- Right now, I just I, I don't know. Obviously, I, I want to go out. I want to go out with a match uh, on you know, on on a big stage with a performance that you will think that is the Undertaker that I've that I've known and I've watched for thirty years. I want to you know just I, I want to I just want to be at that level where people say why Why on earth are you retiring? You know why are you retiring? There's so much left in the tank and um i i think um you know I think that match is, is is still in me, and I think I can deliver it and i think once once that match is is there i think i can i can i can walk away and um and and be happy my world is um, you know this doc has has really changed my perspective too on a lot of things and 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 the doc isn't by the way is not finished the last episode isn 't finished yet um, so uh yeah I, I this you know this just personally it's a personal thing um i don 't think I have anything left to prove to anyone uh this is an internal thing and i have and i have in my mind, I've envisioned uh, my exit, and yeah, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to find that exit.
0: Well, congrats on
1: everything. The Doc, the
0: great match with AJ. Everything, I just want to close and say thank you for, for giving us, you know, fans, journalists, everybody, a chance to really get to know you. It's been fantastic. Undertaker, The Last Ride, Mark Calloway, a true legend. Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you. I appreciate the time.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Look, special thanks, of course, to the Silver King for hooking this up, WWE PR. Uh, you get 30 minutes with Taker. You can go in a million directions, but you're happy to be there. I could have gone, like I mentioned, uh, so many places. He didn't even get into Bone Street Crew or whatever the heck. He's got that uh, tattoo on his midriff, but, uh, man, did I like that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, I-, I love the real man, so to speak. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, that, that got weird. Um, I've got so much respect for Mark Calloway. Never knew him. None of us did before this. And um, the the honesty he's shown. I you know I meant when I said that the last dance with Michael Jordan would would not have been anything more than a oh let's relive the playoff series I already watched unless you're getting salty, Mike just just dropping deuces on everybody. Uh. It's a little different with Mark Calloway, but if he didn't grant us this, you know, ca- cameras in Gorilla with him and Vince, you know, ribbing each other or him being that real and tough on himself that, you know, he he's having trouble coming to terms with, you know, something that anyone who's had a successful career in something does. How to step away, how to, how to go out on his own terms, how to how to do it right. And, you know, yeah, I could sit here and say, man, he should have just left after 33 storyline wise. It was the perfect ending, but, uh, you know, now, now I see a lot more of that story and what it means to him, what it means to Vince to, to have taker in the bullpen and have the trust in that relationship. And uh, you know I, I'm thankful that that crew was there for a lot of those ups and downs that this series is showing us from the debacle, the debacles in Sa so- in Saudi to some to to the rise and the comeback at WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans to see Taker get back into that great shape. Yeah, they only gave him a you know handful of minutes with Cena, but. You know, in that moment, not being a huge taker, Mark, I didn't get to really appreciate that for him. I was sort of going, why are we doing a three-minute unscheduled taker match against Cena? If you're going to do it, do it. And, you know, in hindsight, watching the doc, you saw that. He he wished he could have gone 30, 45 minutes, whatever. But I respect so much the journey that he went through to get back into the shape post-surgery just to be... Just to be happy with leaving if he you know if he was going to leave after that which he didn't of course you know on his own terms he may never find that sweet spot and that was a key part of that interview that final question I'm not sure he knows a if there really is a perfect way to go he could go right now after the aJ Styles boneyard match and we'd all be like that's the perfect goodbye that was perfect i'm i'm I believe that he doesn't know what the perfect ending is I also believe that he may never find it. I mean you saw how close he came in the in the Goldberg match in Saudi to to physical disaster, you know. Wrestling may retire him before he retires from it. Obviously we 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 hope for the uh you know, we hope that it doesn't come down to anything like that, but I respect him being so open on letting us see the decision making that goes into this. He's got too much invested to just on a whim go that's it, right? This isn't boxing or MMA where, you know, the sport retires you easier because if you just don't have it, you don't have it. Um, You know, him working once or twice a year is always going to give him the chance to feel good, get, you know, get surgery, work out, and sort of get ready for that moment. I hope that moment doesn't keep going on, but I do want him to find that perfect ending because if he left after the Lesnar match at 30, yeah, it would have been perfect if you left after Roman storyline wise. Would have been perfect. Um, I hope he can find the absolute full circle storyline. Maybe it's maybe it's Bray Wyatt. You know what was interesting about that conversation was asking him that question, of you know he didn't really answer it. I essentially said you know if not Brock, who else would you have approved? And he did say Roman. He said say maybe it was better. To save the ending of the streak for somebody who needed it more. And I respect that. Like a Roman Reigns. What if they had saved that until WrestleMania 33? Roman breaks the streak. I mean, that's that's genius storytelling. I wonder, though, what he thought of Bray at that point. And look, I had 30 minutes with him, but you only had so many bullets in that chamber in terms of what you're going to ask him and which direction it will go and how long he'll answer. And, and that's a science to itself, managing an interview. And, you know, you always have regrets afterwards. Man, I should have said this. I should have asked this. I do wonder, although we did see Taker and Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 31, uh, it wasn't a great match, you know? I don't know whose fault that was. It wasn't a great match, you know? certainly wasn't the CM Punk match. That match at uh, 29 was fantastic. But The Fiend... The Fiend, right? The Fiend. Maybe that's the way to go out. I don't know. Or, or knowing WWE, maybe that is the way to go out with Taker on top and The Fiend doing the job again. Oh, God. Um, I will say, though, that to, to kind of weave the Taker storyline into my own as a fan, um, I was harsh. I was very harsh on this guy through the years. I I, I thought, I, I you know, wrongfully, he was a, a bit of a compiler, someone who hung around, even though I certainly respect him as potentially the greatest character, right? Cuz he protected that character so much, the greatest character of all time. I don't think I gave him the credit though for his evolution through the years of American badass and the other sort of slight side steps to just kind of help his character change with the times and that's a big part of his longevity. So is just being a badass, being a pain tolerant guy and, you know, for being an incredible partier and he certainly has that reputation to be able to last that long and be last that long as a locker room leader and still go through the excess and come out on the other side um you got to respect it you know uh you know he was never really the guy in the company but i i don't anymore sort of hold that against him when you're comparing him with the other greats look he's never going to be better in my eyes than the true creme de la creme of the, of the Flair Hogan Austin Rock who, you know, guys who are, look, that's the face of your company. Maybe a Roman gets there. Maybe you think Cena's there. Uh, that's the damn face of your company. But he filled a different role. He was the backbone of the company. He was, you know, so so you're a little bit more of a B-side than an A-side in reality. Or you're a secondary A-side, right? Because every WrestleMania had the main event and then it had the Taker main event. But, um, you know... He's done things that so many people never will, never could. And, uh, and you know, in hindsight, him protecting kayfabe that long in an era where, you know, everything's overexposed because we wanted it to be that overexposed. You know, we were hungering for it. The Attitude Era gave us that peek behind the curtain, and we just kept wanting more. And, you know, now it's too much. But he fought the good fight, and I'm glad that he picked a time and came to terms with that time where... Now that he really realizes that, you know, it's going to be over. Whether he does one more match, two more matches, no more matches. It's going to be over. He does have to transition to life after wrestling. And making appearances and being able to make a secondary income through that is important. Autograph signings, acting, whatever. So, uh, I I have no... Th- I, I've come around, man. I love me some Mark Calloway, okay? And, you know, obviously, uh, he filled such a huge role. And I respect his early rise and the great, you know, cheesy cartoonish early 90s WWF of of the impact he had then just as much as i respect him in that attitude era, you know, the the feud with kane, the the ministry of darkness, that whole thing. Just as much as i respect what he did in the late 2000s where you know, the beginning of the second half of his career, he did his best work. He had his absolute best matches deep into his career, that four-pack in a row that he loves, that everybody loves. Shawn Michaels one, Shawn Michaels two, and then the second and third Triple H matches in four consecutive years at Mania. I mean, put those four matches up against anybody's at Mania. You know, the fact that he could be that big and that old and put on those matches is, is incredible. So I, I respect that. The only thing I hadn't respected was the hang on too long era. The okay, I'm here to make an appearance, but like at Raw 25. That appearance didn't really make any sense. What are you saying? Why are you here? Why is Bray Wyatt dragging you backstage and then nothing happens with that angle? Um, you know, a couple of those moments I didn't love, but I think this turn, this 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 is almost like a face turn, a real life face turn. This real life face turn to let us in is, you know, one of my favorite parts of who he is in his career. And, you know, how that leads up to whatever he has in mind for an exit, for a final match, for a final angle. I'm in, you know, and it, you know, see, look, we all hated the builds to Saudi. We all hated the Saudi cards. And I think we did for rightful reasons, especially back then when I was podcasting and recapping every week and just living it as a fan. They actually told the decent story in the bill, you know, in that whole run, and the documentary shows you this of of it's going to be Triple H Taker for the last time, and then we're going to do a rematch, but involve the Brothers of Destruction against DX. I just hated, of course, like everyone else, that it was A in Saudi of all places. That that they're only sort of doing it for the money, it seems. And then B, you know, t- the the match is kind of stunk. It went on too long. I don't know if I want to see bald Sean after waiting that long. You know, I don't want to, to see Taker with a pulled pack. I don't know if I want to see Kane and Taker, you know, 30 years later in the year of our Lord, so to speak, Nick, Nick Costos, um, putting on matches like that. Uh, where are you, Nick? Are you here? Are you still here? You're still in our lives. NK. where I still have, I still have you somewhere in this Campbell podcast. Thank you. Not only did he not win it. I felt that he, he lost. it. He lost it. Indeed. Uh, But yet, in hindsight, those are pretty good stories. You know, he could have retired after those, two. But if he's going to come back in for anything more than one more Boneyard match, I want a real story. I want The Fiend and Bray Wyatt involved. I want a real friggin' story that ends with an epic match. Could you imagine, from everything we loved about Mania, and this Mania this year was weird, empty arena, all that, but we loved the Boneyard match, with Taker and AJ, and we love the the House of Horrors or Firefly Funhouse match, whatever. Imagine if you put those two together. Next year's Mania. Yeah, that works. It works, folks. It works. It works for me. Let's tell a good story. Bray versus Taker. We'll forget the first one happened. Fiend, all that. But let's, let's do that. That's the way to go out. I think you, you can also protect, as you saw in the Boneyard match, it's not like you need to send Taker out there like he did against Roman and, you know, let's do 28 minutes and let's go on too long. No, you can film that the right way to really protect him. That's the right way to do it. I hope that's his end game, along with, you know, parents here and there. He's probably always going to be in that role. But uh I'm glad he did this for us, the fans, for himself, for peace of mind, for his family and his kids and grandkids to be able to look back. Uh this was just, you know, not to get too sentimental, but this was a special thing, him doing this Undertaker, The Last Ride, Doc. So, uh, check out episode four on June 14th. Uh, key, key reveal from there is that we're not done yet. We're not done with this series. They're, they're still making it, apparently, as we speak. So that is pretty damn interesting if, if, if it can go on for a year and add new episodes and end, you know, with some giant ending. We all like a happy ending, Bobby. So thank you so much. Um, Let's talk wrestling. You want you want to talk a little wrestling? Now that we're not week to week anymore, uh you know, I never got any kind of uh red and black pot off the, off the ground. Uh I was burnt. You know, I was burnt when uh boxing and MMA were red hot when 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 my time as a wrestling podcaster came to an end. Obviously it was you know never expected that the quarantine would hit and we'd all sort of go, "Oh wow, <laughs> WWE is the only game in town." Um you know, I'm never going to turn corporate on you. I'm just curious. When the hell did you turn so corporate? But, uh, you know, I, I don't love what I see in Raw SmackDown. I had to come back into it a little bit uh, during the quarantine before UFC came back. It, you know, even at CBS Sports HQ, we were covering it. We are doing video recaps, WrestleMania recaps and all that. While WrestleMania was good, you know, that, that translation to the empty arena, they just haven't figured it out on Raw or SmackDown. And then when you add in the things we already don't like, or I don't like, or my style of fan fanaticism doesn't like, it's a tough watch. I don't like it at all. I mean, SmackDown already stunk back when we had crowds in there when they went to Fox, and it's not getting any better. And even though Raw could be, you know, good here and there, it was never great. I, I just didn't like... This this era, this version of storytelling or presentation. And while NXT was, you know, friggin fantastic in 2018, 19, I mean, you know, I I, again, as much as I look back and I do and you hear that you used to hear me talk about all the time. I look back on 2015 NXT as like that was my time, man. That was everything I want out of it. 2018 and 2019 blew it away. The Gargano and Champa era, the Adam Cole era, the storytelling, the performances. It was amazing. Um From what I've seen of late, I, 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 it's, it's not speaking to me anymore like that. I don't know if that's the quarantine. I don't know if it's once it launched week to, you know, being alive every week thing. Did that change? I didn't think it would change it for the worse, but did it? Did that change it for the worse? Did that immediacy change it? I don't know. I mean, they came out strong initially with, with with great stuff, but maybe it's just the the tune of who I am as a fan. Maybe it's because I've wanted somebody to rise up with competition. Maybe it's because I'm so burnt out on the, the scripted era and WWE's overall style of over-scripting things on the main roster where when an AEW rises, I'm more apt to cheer for them and want it to succeed and tolerate things that aren't great off the start. And while AEW was you know, somewhat hit or miss in their first year after launching, um, I really liked it, but to be honest... After taking a couple months off, now when I go back and my, my, my great buddy on CBS Sports, Jack Crosby, is encouraging me and I go back and I watch AEW again, it's great. It speaks to me. They know how to do the empty arena stuff without even feeling like it's empty. Uh, they ju- There's just that vibe and edge and maybe it's just overall, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when I had Jim Ross on this pod. Maybe it's just the fact that everybody is being allowed to to find out who they are and be who they are, which is how wrestling was when we came up and that's why we fell in love with it and it just has that purity that even when it's average I love it I can't stop watching it anything can happen you know and I do an MMA pod of course on the state of combat with Rashad Evans so to see him two weeks ago come out with Mike Tyson and Henry Cejudo and Vitor Belfort look like, it wasn't great but it was awesome you know it was like it was just something different in, in 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 you know, you could do the ABC. Hey, if WWE did that you would have crapped on it. Well, I, it, it it tastes differently, right? You ever um, you ever go on a cruise? I've I've said this analogy before, but you know by the fourth day everything tastes the same. It's all the same ingredient base, right? You ever eat at the cafeteria at a hospital every day for a week, or you know in school? It all tastes the same in the end. WWE tastes the same. Unfortunately, even NXT, when I tune in, it tastes the same. AEW is different, and I'm loving it. And when this hero Cody can come out and give 10 out of 10 promos every week, and then this past week just blade in a match with Jungle Boy to defend the TNT title. This guy's blading during a quarantine on a regular week. This is the 80s. It's back. I love it. This is exactly what I need. And you know what? I needed as a fan. I needed this overall break. See, I, I can't. I can't week to week pod WWE anymore. Or recap or you know, it's it's just not speaking to me as a fan anymore. That's fine. It is what it is. Some people can. the The SK, the Adam Silverstein. Guy loves WWE. He's got a podcast of his own. The guy will give you the breakdown every single day of the damn week. All right. Where is he? Are you on this board anymore? Let me tell you. Let me tell you a piece of meat that I enjoyed. He <laughs> loves the WWE. Wow, wow. wow that was gross. Um, I, I like I like the revolutionary meat, and it's been great. I'm not here for the money. I already got the money. I'm here because I believe in doing something different. I believe in doing something new. It's what I've always done my entire career. I am a maverick. I am an outlaw. I am a pariah. I am Chris Jericho, baby. Yes. Thank you, LeChampion. They're they're just doing, you know, they're doing something different there, and I'm loving it. So uh, I'm getting back into the groove. I crack beers on Wednesday nights, and I watch it, and I uh, send messages to Jack Crosby the whole time. And it's great. So uh, that's my wrestling journey at the moment. Maybe it'll change. Maybe I'll get back in day-to-day, week-to-week, but something's got to change for that to change me, right? It's up to us as a people to start making some changes, change the way we eat, change the way we treat each other. You know, the old way wasn't working, so it's on us to do what we got to do to survive. Hold this for me, all right, turkey tips. Thank you, MV, MJF, MVP, MJF, whatever. Um, thank you very much. Um, and thank you. Thank you to, uh, to The Undertaker for being real. For showing up on our show, CBS Sports State of Combat Podcast. For being candid. Love it. Needed it. Love it. Okay? You don't see Hulk Hogan doing that, all right?
1: We've been hanging and
0: banging, brother. You know, Hulk Hogan doesn't tell the truth. Ever. Ever. The history of Hulk Hogan, there's no truth. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Right there, but we're gonna stuff it down your throat so hard that you're gonna enjoy this. You're gonna feel it, Adam. I felt it. Did you feel it? I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. I haven't felt it in a while. Um, but that's it. That's the show. Uh, follow at State of Combat on Twitter for all your boxing, MMA needs. Once in a while, we'll we'll tickle the uh, pro wrestle hall as well. Uh, you know, get over, get on over to the Get Over Pod with the Adam Silverstein if that's your thing. Okay, um, and uh, keep living. We can get through this. All things will pass. But I think if the last uh, week craziness has shown us anything is that major changes are needed in our society and how we talk to people, think about people, treat people, look at people, all that. And I'm hoping that that's the greater good that comes out of this. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. All right. This is your boy, B.C., Um. He, he loves revolutions. So now the forbidden door is closed. But I don't think it needs to be closed. No, I love revolutions. Let's open that door, okay? Okay? Let's do it. Um, my name is Brian Campbell, and I approve this podcast. And I've got two words for you. I don't care. You come in my face. I'm going to fight you. Okay, that wasn't the direction I was going. Um, I've got two words for you. I am sick! i tired of playing around with kids. Okay, Lex, wasn't going there either. I've got two words for you.
1: I'm going to have to apologize ahead of time because I'm going to stretch his ass like it's never been okay, stretched. Okay,
0: not those words, but I got two for you. Until they blanch you can't run and hide from me anymore. And when we come to Philadelphia this time, there's gonna be no mistaking what's gonna happen. I'm gonna come on you like nobody's ever come on you before. Oh my God, no! Silver King, come on down. He's not here. I've got two words for you.
1: One of the best guys you'll ever meet. Huge mugs. Those like, last two, those last two, were true. But uh, you know
0: what? You know what? Hey, Mysterio, not sucking on anybody. We out. That's it. That's it. I can't we out. That's it. Can't do it anymore. We're out of here. Yeah. The ultimate thrill ride is your last ride. Thank you.